live from the Nixcast Phanthropological Institute. Today, we're talking Overwatchers? Overwatch men? Overwatch <laughs> Today, we're talking about fans of Overwatch. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G, and this week we're going to be doing our third hour-long ad for Blizzard. <laughs> Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Uh, the world needs more heroes. Really? We did th- this is our third episode talking about Blizzard? World of Warcraft. Oh, we did put on StarCraft. Yep. I forgot. Okay, so yeah, you're right. This is our third episode. <laughs> Uh, if you're if you're from Blizzard and uh, you would uh, you're looking for you know somebody to send that sweet sponsorship money, yeah. uh, I'm gonna give you some advice. This is a, a bad investment. <laughs> well, honesty is the best policy. <laughs> yes. Uh, Nick Z is also here. Yep, I'm also here. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, here I am. Rock, rock you like a hurricane? Oh, man, I, really, I really messed you up by saying that you were also here, didn't I? No, I just didn't have anything to do with. I wanted to uh, string together a bunch of character names and a little pun run. I'll have to save that for another time. Well, you'll have to have mercy on me. Uh... Exactly. Ooh. Yeah, okay. I'll see myself out. Genji. Oh, oh actually, I got, I've got something. I've got something. Yeah, go for it. Popular around the tumblers. Um, Overwatch is an important game because it teaches us the family can be two women and a gorilla. All right, I don't mind that. Yeah, that's. I was expecting something different. <laughs> I was expecting it to go the Vin Diesel route. Yes. <laughs> or, or I thought this was going to take like a Disney twist. That's like Overwatch means family, like some sort of Lilo and Stitch thing. I don't know. That doesn't matter because this week <laughs> we are talking about Overwatch, and I'm going to get us started by getting into some fandom facts. In case you're watching this, listening to this, and don't know what the heck Overwatch is, here is a very quick summary for you. Uh, Overwatch is a class-based first-person shooter developed by Blizzard Entertainment, released in May of 2016. Mechanically, the game consists of two teams of six heroes, uh, each working towards some objective depending on the game mode. There are over 20 heroes, each with their own unique abilities and skills, broadly grouped into offense, defense, tank, and support roles. So... In many ways, it's similar to games that you might have played, like Team Fortress 2, which is a class-based first-person shooter, or similar to other games like Call of Duty, except like having differences between the classes and less about weapons and guns and things. As far as the story of the game goes, I have this little excerpt that I think comes from the game. Mm-hmm. Soldiers, scientists, adventurers, oddities. In a time of global crisis, an international task force of heroes banded together to restore peace to a war-torn world. Overwatch. It ended the crisis and helped to maintain peace in the decades that follows, inspiring an era of exploration, innovation, and discovery. But after many years, Overwatch's influence waned, and it was eventually disbanded. Overwatch is gone, but the world still needs heroes. Now, conflict is rising across the world again, and the call has gone out to heroes old and new. Are you with us? Bam. Bam. There was a slightly longer description on Wikipedia, but it was also very like, here's the events in the world. I'm like, this is a lot of history. 
No, that was much punchier. Yeah, it's yeah. marketing text, so yeah. Exactly. I was looking at search data, and this was surprising to me because this is one of the fandoms that we are covering that is more recent, uh, like in the mm-hmm. last two years. So I actually had some harder data. I didn't have to look at a trend over like 30 years that doesn't exist. <laughs> Surprisingly and unsurprisingly, interest in Overwatch has actually been on the decline, but mostly on the decline relative to all interest in Overwatch ever, because the most interest ever was when the game was released back in May of 2016, when uh, there was an open beta and then the actual release of the game. Makes sense. Yeah. I guess that's the tricky bit, right? Anytime something comes out for the first time, that's probably the most popular it's ever been. Yeah. Usually. Generally, yeah. That being said, it's still relatively like it's it's a very very slow decline which means it's probably very popular the top 10 countries by search volume are and this is by a large margin south korea and then the rest um like (laughs) south korea was at like a hundred and the other ones were at like 20 or 30 but the other nine are singapore finland sweden norway canada australia united states taiwan and new zealand hmm I remember seeing stats that uh, in those Korean computer rooms, those PC bongs that we might remember from another episode, apparently when Overwatch came out, it made up 30% of what people were playing. Whoa. It really got in there. Fun fact related to that. Yeah. So I don't even remember where I read this, and I'm sorry that I can't cite my source, but I think it actually was the Overwatch Wikipedia page, now that I think about it. (laughs) As it turns out, when the game was released, PC Bongs, as we talked about previously, mm-hmm. for World of Warcraft, you don't have to pay for the game. You just pay for the time that you spend in the game. Yep. Mm. So as a result, many Overwatch players playing at PC Bongs would cheat, and then their Battle.net account would get banned. But they didn't have to pay for the game, so they would just sign up mm. for a different account <laughs> and then play again and cheat or not cheat or whatever. <laughs> if you want to read more about that, go to the Overwatch Wikipedia page. <laughs> I learned a fun fact about this, which I didn't realize before, but now that we're all Blizzard experts, uh, (laughs) we should probably know. This was Blizzard's first new IP in 17 years. Yeah. Warcraft and StarCraft are both pretty old at this point. Yeah, because they didn't, and I guess Heroes of the Storm just take stuff from other Blizzard properties, and Hearthstone is like in the world of World of Warcraft? Or it came out recently. Yeah. I realized they were at Hearthstone as well. I think they are Mm -hmm. because you can, when you're playing Overwatch, and some of the computer screens, they're like playing a game. That's Hearthstone. (laughs) I'm trying to say is they're great at making games. (laughs) They really last a long time. (laughs) As we saw with StarCraft. Yeah. Maybe not talking about things that last a long time, but talking about big things that are... Okay, whatever. That's a bad segue. (laughs) Talking about the size of the fandom, I took a look at some of the data using some very broad sources that we have available to us, namely the internet. The Overwatch subreddit has over 1.1 million subscribers. I don't know if that's the largest subreddit we've ever talked about, but it's definitely among it. (laughs) There is also a competitive Overwatch subreddit, which has over 138,000. Overwatch University, which teaches people how to play Overwatch, oh. I think in a competitive sense, like how to learn the characters and whatnot, that has over 120,000 subscribers. Hmm. And as of January of 2017, the game itself had over 25 million players. So I think it's easy enough to say that the number of fans of Overwatch is somewhere in the tens of millions, possibly in the low hundreds of millions. It's a lot. Yeah. 
So much so that apparently, maybe not so much a thing anymore, but at least in the first year of its run, there was kind of like a little bit of a black market of sorts. Apparently there were these websites you could go to as an Overwatch player that would like, I guess, access data from the game's records or whatever and give you matches that would help boost your ranking faster. Oh. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's weird because it's not like a black market thing. It's just like well, I don't know. If, I don't know if they were pay sites or if they were just like go here, give us your email, and then here are your matches. Or I don't really know what the deal was because I only came across it in a Quora question. Okay, and even then, just kind of tangentially. Interesting. Well, I don't have demographics on the number of people who did illicit things on Overwatch, but I do have actually some data on uh, at least like the gender and age, approximately. Mm-hmm. If you want data on who plays which hero and offense and defense and whatever, you can go to like overwatchtracker.com slash insights and it'll tell you all sorts of really cool data. Cool. Which, as far as we do this podcast, not super interesting. Although I admittedly could pour over it for a long time. Just like with StarCraft where we were like Terrans versus whatever, whatever. Like, <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Not what this is about. But, fortunately, there have been enterprising people like this one user from the Overwatch subreddit who wanted to just get some demographic information about the players, not the heroes, because there are also many surveys on the subreddit about that. They managed to get over 3,000 respondents to their survey, and from that, they got a rough gender breakdown of about 83% male and almost 15% female. What I found most surprising, which I guess I shouldn't, is that of the respondents, almost 70% of the respondents were under the age of 24. Hmm. Still have those spry thumbs. That's right. Yes, because once you pass over the age of 25, <laughs> you're effectively dead. I mean, just look at these. They're terrible. <laughs> yeah, Z doesn't play games anymore. He just. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's got to stick to the match three games, because he can just mash <laughs> his fists up against the screen. Yeah. <laughs> I generalize that, but actually it was... 49.9% were between 18 and 24 years old. Wow. And then the remaining like 25% were under 18. Wow. And then the next largest group was like people 24 to 34 or something. And it was like 18 or 20% or whatever. It was like most of the rest. I guess Overwatch is a pretty big eSport. Uh, yes. Z and I were having an informal discussion <laughs> about that today when I mentioned that, hey, did you know that there's an Overwatch league? And he was like, well, poop. yep all my theories were wrong yep in terms of frequency and this given the age demographic shouldn't be super surprising almost 50 percent of respondents play every day and just over 30 percent play three to five times a week wow i tried to find other data there's this really neat article somebody tried to be a bit more statistical Uh, the article is called gender influence in hero choice and their numbers were closer to 20 percent female And I imagine the numbers are actually higher than that, but that was the only other data point I had. So I do have some fast facts Cool. before we get to the rest of the show. Uh, Okay, Overwatch has almost 22,000 fan works on Archive of Our Own. Just over half of those are categorized as male-male pairings. Interesting. Not what I would have guessed. (laughs) And just under a quarter as female-female pairings. Okay. Almost all of the fan works have no crossover. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's plenty of characters. Mm-hmm. 
apparently there's there's quite a, a roster of unplayable characters too i guess from like the uh little lore videos that they put out in the comics and whatnot Ooh. oh that makes sense from what i remember reading there's like athena who's the computer mm-hmm. and then there's like other main characters they're like daughter or son or mother or hypothetical speculated fanon kinds of things yeah mm-hmm. the top three characters in the fan works are mccree with about 38 percent reaper with about 33 percent and mercy about 29 percent uh mccree is an offensive reaper is an offensive character and mercy is a support character mm-hmm. i don't know how that factors in anything i do remember also reading on uh, fan lore that apparently one of the running themes in a lot of the fix um, there's angst of course sure but there's also a uh, hurt slash comfort so with the two offensive characters yeah. and the one support character i can see that shaking out that makes sense I'm flabbergasted Tracer did not make the top three. Yeah, me too. I'll wait till I get to the pairings. <laughs> Aha! <laughs> uh, she's, she's not in the pairings either. Not in the top three. Oh, top three pairings are McCree Hanzo, which I think has the nickname McHanzo, because pairings <laughs> have names. I've definitely heard worse. <laughs> <laughs> at about 19% of the fix. Reaper slash Soldier 76 at about 16%. And Farah slash Mercy at about 8%. Huh. Farah is an offensive character and a woman. So like the first female-female pairing out of all the things that I mentioned. Wow. Uh, other than that, I have two closing fast facts. Mm-hmm. Terry Crews stated in a Reddit AMA that he would love to voice Doomfist, uh, who at the time was not a released character, but now is. He does not voice that mm-hmm. character. That's a shame. Yeah. He visited the Blizzard office and was like, hey didn't happen still likes it got any work for me (laughs) though many of the voice actors of the game were deliberately selected for being unknown you may recognize anime voice actor crispin freeman uh, who did alucard in helsing togusa and ghost in the shell standalone complex and kyon from haruhi suzumiya he's basically the guy with a very generic sounding voice well yeah because i was i was watching a few of the little um like the little episodes i don't know Mm -hmm. what they're called shorts maybe of like you know the world building stuff. Yeah. And he's Winston. Yes. <laughs> and it's flipping uh, Zelgadis. <laughs> yes. From Slayers. Yeah. <laughs> Keith Ferguson is Reaper. What's he do? I like, I saw that there were other names in a list, but that was the only one that stuck out to me. Who, who does Keith Ferguson do? Keith Ferguson. <laughs> Flintheart Glomgold on DuckTales. I don't know him from as many things as I thought. Okay. But he's like another. Yeah, he's around. Yeah. Most of the voice actors are like, they picked people deliberately because they didn't want to do that. Except for mm-hmm. like those two. They didn't want people to have previous associations, I guess. Yeah. With their voices already. Yeah. Yeah. Bonus fact, because you're paying <laughs> for these. <laughs> here's a freebie. Yeah, here's a couple of freebies. <laughs> the characters hail from different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for a lot of those characters, the voice actors either have ancestry from that part of the world. Mm-hmm. or their nationality is from from there so i think the voice actor for Farah, who is egyptian is from egypt and like mm-hmm. the voice actor for tracer is british there are a bunch of people that like do fake accents but many of the voice actors actually hail from the regions that they do like uh, genji and hanzo i think are either japanese or like have japanese ancestry mm-hmm the other fun fact that I found in an article called uh, It Ain't Easy Being an Overwatch Fan in Africa is there are no servers in Africa. Oh, what? What? Oh, wow. So... Sounds like it ain't easy. <laughs> no. Jeez Louise. Wow. 
those are my phantom facts for Overwatch. <laughs> Dear Blizzard, if you would like the continued support of the, of the, of the <laughs> If you want us to keep running ads for you. I mean... Get a server in Africa, for goodness sakes. <laughs> <laughs> but that leaves us with last episode's famous last words. Whose shall we visit first? I can go first. Do you remember what they were? Yeah. Okay, go for it then. What were your famous right. last words? So I was like, are there people who get really into like embodying a character and trying to play not to win, but just more like the character would act like more role playing. And as far as I could find out, not really because hmm. all the characters want to win and they're <laughs> either fighting good or evil, depending on whether they're evil or good. So it's like, right. That's all kosher. But it led me to the story of somebody being banned for only playing one hero. That doesn't surprise me. Did you come across this? No. I didn't come across that story, but that sounds like maining to a T. Yeah. So there's so much emphasis. We'll, we'll get to this more in the why, but there's so much emphasis on team play in Overwatch. Yeah. So it's like you have to choose heroes that are both going to fit well with the rest of your team and be effective for countering the other team. This guy would only ever use Torbjorn. <laughs> and if someone else picked him, he would just not pick a character. <laughs> oh, so it'd be five on six. Yeah, he just shut everybody down like that, so they're like so they're like bandom. That's reasonable. Yeah. Ooh, that reminds me. More fun facts. <laughs> so apparently the game used to have a prefer not to play with feature. Mm-hmm. It it has a prefer to play with feature and Kate like to let people know. Like, hey, I liked playing with this person. I would prefer to play with them. Mm-hmm. Like someone who's playing the game or a hero? Uh, like somebody who's playing the game. Okay. Yeah. Like the idea being that in any system, there are bad actors. And so yes. by saying you prefer not to play with them, you're like, this person is toxic. They are um, like bad-mouthing people or whatever. Not a system where you would mm-hmm. report people, but you're like, I don't want to play with this person. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess the difference is pretty subtle. But... Apparently, people would just use it because the players they were with were annoying. <laughs> like, this person's <laughs> sucky, so I said, prefer not to play with them. So they removed it. Yeah, fair enough. But if somebody was maining all the time, you're like, don't play with this character all the time. <laughs> now it's not a problem because he's been banned. <laughs> <laughs> like, the not from one. tournaments, but like from the system. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. This specific instance is like, because when I originally found the story, I'm like, they just didn't want people naming. Yeah. I'm like, that's weird. But um, no, this guy was being a dick about it. But like the fact that the emphasis on the play is to use the different characters where they're called for, mm-hmm. as opposed to picking one that you really like. Yeah, there's that team element. Mm-hmm. It's like there's some sort of team in a fortress that you're trying to... That's just... <laughs> two yeah maybe there's two of them i don't know (laughs) one thing i love is when i'm able to type the subject of that week's podcast documentary into youtube and find results (laughs) oh yeah yeah that'd be good nice and luckily i did and one of the things being explained by like i think i'm I'm getting the wrong title but basically head of overwatch who designed a lot of it jeff kaplan yes is that it's not a rock, paper, scissors, any character can beat any other character type of situation. Like, they're meant for different roles and meant yeah. to be played cooperatively in teams. So 
Yep. Oh, that was neat. Yeah. All right. Mm. We're definitely coming back to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to jump in because I feel like I'm going to talk a bunch. And if I do this now, then like Z will come in and I can just like sneak in later. So uh, I also had a bunch of really short questions. My famous last words, because I had many apparently, were will I play Overwatch before next week's episode? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, I did. I'm glad you had one besides that. Yeah. Yep. Seriously, though, why is Hanzo main a bad thing? I know almost nothing about Overwatch. So while researching that, I found out there is actually an article that explains exactly that. To summarize, maining isn't a very nice thing to do. As Jay mentioned, you are working as a team. And maining is when you consistently play the same character. Like, that is your main character. Like, uh, in Smash, how I main, like, Ganondorf or Sheik or Lucas. But in Smash, it doesn't matter because you're not usually doing team anything, right? You're just... Yeah, exactly. No. So when you're in a team, that's really bad. But uh, apparently also the character Hanzo works best as a lone wolf kind of character and also is a high skill kind of character. Is he chaotic neutral? I don't don't know. (laughs) All right. It just just feels like the the next... Alignment (laughs) charts. Oh, yes. This seemed like the next bullet point in your description. <laughs> chaotic good, chaotic neutral. Well, I'm sure he's on one of these. <laughs> but I'm not looking that up. So <laughs> so that's not good when you're playing as a team. No. And so when people use that insult, it's like you're not being a team player. So good. The last question that I had, the last famous last words was, how wide is the divide between curative and transformative? And I have no idea. Like, literally no idea. But what I do know is that there is a site called Fandometrics, which is a Tumblr blog, and it looks at many different fandoms, video games, television, etc. And when I looked at the Fandler article for Overwatch, Overwatch is number one on the video games list as of last year. I looked at it again for this episode. It is still at number one. So I assume, based on some quick Tumblr searches and some quick Googling and whatnot, there's a very active transformative work fandom Mm -hmm. so i assume that the gap is actually not that large i think that there's people focused on competitive and people focused on the transformative but i think that there is a lot of both of them so i don't think the divide is actually that great it's not like transformers where it's like mostly curative or collective (laughs) so Mm -hmm. those are my famous last words i found an alignment chart where hanzo's chaotic neutral so (laughs) So you look, you, you wanted something to be true, and you found it. So it's obviously true. It's the magic of the internet. I also found one where people have added two points to each axis. What? Okay. Let me completely derail the podcast for just a second. <laughs> so I can explain this. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. So going across the one, we have lawful, neutral, chaotic. Okay. They have lawful, social, neutral, Rebel chaotic. Oh, I found one for Sonic, but go on. <laughs> Why haven't we done I'm Sonic mad. fans yet? <laughs> no, don't worry. Write it down. Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> and then in the other way, from good, neutral, and evil, we have good, moral, neutral, impure, and evil. It seems to just be making some halfways where none are needed. Maybe they just wanted to get more the characters i mean there's like 20 there's more than 20 so 
Point of the sword, 25. Oh, that works out perfectly for a 5x5. Five five. That's probably why I did it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Z, do you remember what your famous last words were? But, of course I do. That's good, because I probably paraphrased it poorly. <laughs> well, the, the gist of my famous last words were, what was the fans' reaction to Blizzard's shocking revelation in their 2016 holiday comic that Tracer is, in fact, in a lesbian relationship? How did they react? And well, yeah, they react? <laughs> go on. <laughs> and that's it. I'm done. Um, somewhat surprisingly, Blizzard themselves were very kind of like, yeah, it is what it is about it. They didn't make a big fuss about the revelation or about the backlash or anything. But like looking at it uh, a year on, the reaction actually seems pretty positive. I mean, there were obviously, as always, <laughs> on the internet, some people who were like, oh, Blizzard's just trying to cash in or Blizzard's just hopping on the bandwagon of LGBTQ representation. And then, of course, there are other people who are like, come on, it's 2017. It's just a thing. And that whole, it's just a thing, you know, that is what it is, whatever, is kind of exactly what Blizzard's official line on it was. Like in their statement, uh, specifically to Kotaku, they mentioned that, well, in general, they always wanted Overwatch to be an inclusive game with a diverse cast. And when they were putting together Tracer's character, it always just felt right for her backstory mm-hmm. that she would be a lesbian, that that would be her orientation. But the like little, little bit of interesting nuance that I found was that as much as there were people, for the most part, I, I would say, who were positive about it, there were some fans who didn't like take a positive or necessarily negative stance on it. But instead of just, you know, going like, great, representation's awesome. They were more like, well, she's kissing a girl. Doesn't necessarily mean she's a lesbian. She could be bi. And then within this, there were kind of two sides. There were some people who were like, well, everybody, everybody, calm down, calm down. She could be bi. And in my mind, I'm characterizing these people as the people who uh, wanted to protect their relationship with their waifu. Mm-hmm. And That's what I'm getting from a lot of this. <laughs> but then there were also some people, some fans who for all intents and purposes, like without delving into their backstories and like their own backstories and their social media profiles and all that stuff, just from surface impressions that I got about reading about them and their reactions on Frag Hero, they were themselves by, and they were kind of disappointed in Blizzard for just out and saying, hey, she's lesbian. Yeah, that's, that's the end of it. And not leaving that door open because they themselves feel that they lack a lot of representation. And that just going with the lesbian route makes it a very, like, unique within media, but also very limited sort of view because it's still sort of based on that binary, right? It's, man, it is, like, super tricky. Because, like, like, like you mentioned, and this is reflected in some of the other research that I did and some of the other quotes that I found from, like, Jeff Kaplan. Like, in an effort to be an inclusive game, how do you make it inclusive? Mm Mm-hmm. This is one of the first times that Blizzard did something that's in a world that's not a fantasy world. Yeah. That came across in the research, too. They're like, you know, we did Warcraft, mm-hmm. and people are like, well, they don't really care if we screw up elves or orcs unless we, like, disobey the canon. Yeah. Right. But, like, when you put things on Earth, like, yeah, there's going to be people from Egypt. There's going to be people from Russia. There's going to be people mm-hmm. from Brazil. Yeah. 
because those are people those are real countries <laughs> mm-hmm. and so like the challenge is that like and this actually came up in something completely unrelated to the research that i just read recently brief tangent that ties back i guarantee it sure i was reading an article that talked about how diversity and inclusivity like impacts the the world that's like a broad summary and it was talking about advertisements advertisements with white people and advertisements with like people of different nationalities and and different potentially sexual orientations i don't remember the specifics when it was ads with just white people the rating of satisfaction was like whatever when there was more representation people from marginalized groups were more upset okay and the reasoning behind it was because they didn't necessarily see themselves represented right and like that's the challenge yeah blizzard is trying to do something about that problem they're like there's not enough representation we're going to do something about that our roster is like 50 50 male female which is really good Mm -hmm. our well Mm -hmm. relative to many other games our nationality representation is 50 percent like european countries and 50 percent not european countries Mm -hmm. which is also better than most games Mm. in terms of sexuality it's more limited because that's not something that's explicit or even required as part of the game and also outside of the game it's only covered in the comics and whatnot to a small extent and then still it's like well there are going to be people that don't have their sexuality represented because that's hard yeah and if they just threw in an asexual person like into the game then people would be like well you definitely just threw that in there (laughs) to like appease somebody and it's especially challenging with like lesbian and bisexual because like with a bisexual person you have this challenge of like not erasing that they like men and women or if they're pansexual like you may potentially be erasing that they like people regardless of their sexual orientation mm-hmm. but like if you only have one character you can't solve all those problems <laughs> <laughs> i i believe in the same comic they also heavily implied although not with a, a kiss or anything like that that uh, Winston, the genetic, I think he's a genetically modified ape. Anyway, yep. the, yeah, yeah, the ape character, they they heavily implied that he's gay. So, I mean, they have more than one character, but like still out of 25. But the game's still going as far as I know. So yes. I guess it could be future releases. Who knows what we'll find out. Well, all the DLC is free. So I agree. There needs to be. A character that represents bisexual people that is better written than Captain Jack Harkness. I definitely <laughs> agree with that. If it's an Overwatch, that's great. But, yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And, and I mean, especially, like, not, I mean, on the one hand, it could be easier in a game like Overwatch because you have so many characters and probably so many more coming down the pike. But at the same time, because it's a multiplayer game and the story is so much in the paratext if you will the the videos and the the comics and whatnot it's not as easy to make something that i imagine if i was doing if i was putting together a a bisexual character it would probably need some time to like develop organically unless i just had somebody say hey i'm bisexual which isn't necessarily as convincing yeah as even what blizzard did yeah, you're not going through, like, reams of plot during no. most gameplay. No, apparently <laughs> there are, like, little many. Easter eggs and stuff in the scenery, but, yeah, there's yeah. not a big epic story but, being told with every match. Like, I watched quite a few of the, like... Shorts? The, I don't know if they're even cutscenes, but shorts, yeah. Mm. And they were neat. But they're 
not not canon, but yeah, you don't encounter them normally during the game. I remember what I was going to say. It was in the documentary, which was by GameSpot, hmm. about the creation of Overwatch, and it was just like around when Overwatch came out, yeah. about how they change a pose that Tracer had. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Like this, yes. Yeah. Buttgate uh, 2016, I think. Yeah, and it's just like the pose when you're on your character selection screen. Yep. And she had like like a cheesecakey kind of pose. And someone had expressed as like, oh, you know, oh, that like my daughter really likes up to Tracer and I don't, you know, I'm feeling comfortable seeing that sort of stuff and I don't feel mm-hmm. that it's in the spirit of the character. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Kaplan, right? Yeah, Kaplan. I think that's his name. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. He's like, you know what? We never felt quite right about that. We had a better pose whether that's exactly the story or not, whatever. But they replaced it, you know, something more more lighthearted, more spirit of character. And then, uh, yes, Buttgate occurred. <laughs> but, I mean, I enjoy the fact they do something like that. That feels like a step in the correct direction to me. Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like we're, we're already kind of there, but let's just jump fully in with both feet, all of us. Why not? To yes. the why. Why? I think that's a pretty big part of it, that uh, Blizzard actually listens to fans with Overwatch in particular and sort of follows their suggestions. Yeah. Kaplan said that, like, he responded to that as he does, like, a lot of stuff on the forum. And, like, I don't know if it's daily or weekly or something, but he does, like, he tries to address a bunch of questions on the forum Mm -hmm. in streams or or videos every week, which I think is really cool. And they said that sometimes they'll take stuff from that. They'll see what people are interested in. Or yeah. what they hadn't thought about, but fans have picked up on, and they, you know, maybe they'll explore more based on that. But I thought that was really cool that Blizzard was interacting like that. Yeah. If the game is focused on teamwork, there's definitely like a teamwork aspect to the game and its creation, a meta teamwork, if you will. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, when Z said paratext, I had to look up what it is. Because <laughs> I, th- I think paratext is like after looking it up it's like related materials yeah it's like supporting yeah. text yeah. or whatever but i would never call well, it paratext <laughs> well like what are parentheses uh, meta information <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah fine mm. i was gonna say you mean subtext but it's not subtext no it's, no, subtext. No. No, it's no. like a prologue and epilogue in a book anyway <laughs> well okay i i got too caught up in my own cleverness which makes it unclever <laughs> automatically there's definitely like a team building aspect to fan works and then how it relates to the actual game. There's numerous articles. And uh, if you go to TV tropes and read the overwatch page there, it talks about numerous occasions where people guess things and it became real in game, whether or not it was already planned or whether it was like a co-work or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. that is definitely something that's true. What I was going to touch on though, was a thing that I'm glad has not actually caught on in terms of like that teamwork that we're talking about. I'll be completely honest, a lot of the research that I did was focused on the representation and the diversity and the inclusivity. But I came across this really funny article, which I've included in the show notes and forgotten the title of because I didn't put a quote there because that would make too much sense. It was inspired by this thread that a person had written, which was talking about, hey, when I play Overwatch, I don't feel really manly. I feel like there's all these female characters, not female players. I don't have any problems with female players, but there's all these female characters And like when I play, I have to sometimes play as a female character and I just feel very unmanly. And there should be, you know, characters that are like functionally equivalent, but male, like character swaps or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I've I've never played a multiplayer 
team shooter before, but I imagine that, you know, there might be 25 characters, but there are not 25 distinct roles. So, like, I would figure that even though each character has different abilities, there's, like, sort of a male and a female support character. There's, like, a male and a female offensive character for long range, a male-female offensive for short range, that kind of thing. Yes and no. Okay. There are in that sense, but they all play differently and all have different right strengths. Right. Like, to use an example, like, there is a female character, Widowmaker, who is a sniper. <laughs> she is the only female defensive sniper there is also a support character who's a female who is a sniper but she heals people with her bullets don't ask questions <laughs> huh. but in terms of offensive characters there's like three male characters four many 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 characters like tracer has like two guns mm-hmm. and shoots but can also like kind of time step back like five seconds mm-hmm. yeah. but nobody else can do that it's not just like a short range, long range. Like every character okay. has different abilities, different passives, different like key combinations. They all do different things. Even if right. they all shoot guns, they all do it differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's not yeah. just a straight up short, long, mid, okay. whatever. It is uh, a good old asymmetric play. It is very asymmetric. <laughs> yeah. That's the good stuff. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I think this person is like, man, if I am playing Zarya, Zarya is a character who is a tank character who is like a very like large muscular woman who carries mm-hmm. around like a big honking machine gun. Yep. And I think from the context of the thread, the person's like, I would like it if there could be like effectively the heavy from Team Fortress 2, but like the same loadout, the same everything, just like a male version of all the female characters and a female version of all the male characters. Huh. I thought that was interesting, not because yeah. I agree with the person, but because I feel like so much of what we've already talked about, that the game has tried so hard to be diverse and inclusive, is that like, yeah, you're going to have to play as characters that are different than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's that's part of the point. Yeah. This goes up in board games, too. Wait, what? Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> Let's take a tangent into board game land. <laughs> Which seems even more ridiculous. I, yes. Okay. It's like, oh, there are, like, six characters, and, like, two of them are female, so, like, when we play all six of us, I have to play a female character. I'm like, holy crap, dude. Wow. I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I get the idea that Overwatch is, like, a power fantasy. Yeah. As first-person shooters are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, in that way, I can understand the whole, like, playing as female characters makes me feel less manly. But at the same time, it's not like, you know, if you're playing as a female character, your attacks are like, you know, do a fashion pose or bake a cake or, you know, yeah. like really terrible stereotypes like that. Both genders of characters are doing the same things. Uh, yeah. Like even in terms of healing characters, there are mm-hmm. three that I know of. One of them's male. Mm-hmm. Most of the healers are, are female, but like there are also male healers and there's also female damage dealers and female snipers. And one of the tanks is a Korean girl that rides around in a giant robot. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, what's the problem, guys? <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was interesting. 
in that article, was that quote kind of pulled from the study as like a consensus of a bunch of players? Or was that just like one person saying that? Oh, that one wasn't a study. That was like an opinion piece on an article. I'll quickly see if I can find the name because it's in the notes. It was an article from Top Shelf Gaming called How the Gender Ratio in Overwatch Affects Its Male Players. Okay. Hmm. And then immediately after it showed this post from this person, it was talking about like, not literally the same thing, but the same thing that I saw it echoed in many other places, which was like, yeah, this game is trying to do that. It's trying to be mm-hmm. that change. So too bad. I mean, that's maybe mischaracterizing the article a little bit, but that was what I got out of it. Mm-hmm. The last thing I have to say is, man, I hope you find a first person shooter where you can play as a bunch of dudes all the time. I hope that's <laughs> something that you're able to do. In light of that, actually, what makes me find that even more interesting than I would otherwise, a lot of my reading up on why people like the game, particularly going at it with a character-based angle, one of the things that I kept coming across was that people seem to gravitate towards the characters that they really, really like. Either they main them or they just really like the characters because of either the way that they play in the game, like they find it personally very satisfying to use like tracers five second rollback or because of their backstory so one of the things that was kind of in the back of my mind was you know is there any sort of information about you know do guys tend to pick guy characters do girls tend to pick girl characters kind of thing and that never really was answered in my research but finding everything that i was finding about people picking based on story or based on play style just seem to kind of push all the questions about gender and whatnot aside because people were getting into the characters either from like a mechanic standpoint or from a, a story standpoint. I can scratch that. It's just a tiny little bit. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was an article that I read, Gender Influence and Hero Choice on inkspire.org. You can look it up. And that person set out and they surveyed about I don't know, 300 people or something, or maybe okay. it's 200. I don't remember. And they specifically wanted to ask the question like, are female players more likely to pay as healers or not? Yeah. That that was the only question that they went out to answer. And from that study, you can read about it. They had a number of different theories from the numbers that they collected. About 20% of the people responded were female. And of those 53% of them chose support roles, which are not exclusively healers, but are Mm -hmm. predominantly healers as compared to males who only chose a healer 30% of the time. But when you do the math, when you stats it all out, apparently that is a very weak correlation. So it's not statistically significant. Okay. They had a number of different theories, but generally they figured that people choose the characters that they pick because of what they like or what is most needed on a team. Because, as G mentioned, the game is very much about that balance of like what roles people take. Yeah. And which characters are needed to counter the other side's team. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about the team aspect. Because that was one of the things they made very clear in the documentary. They were like, you know, we don't just want like a team deathmatch to be you can only now kill half of the people in the match as opposed <laughs> to all of the... <laughs> all the characters have different things they're good at. You know, they're not all going to be... Well, literally, as the game classifies in tanks. They talk about, like, you can just have Tracer go and, like, distract... A couple members of the team as they're spawning and just like keep them busy while the um, while the rest of the team is going, you know, to like an extraction point or something like that. 
And like, that's just as valid as like mowing people down. <laughs> like they wanted to kind of break the, what's my kill death ratio <laughs> as the end all be on. For that reason, they don't provide a spreadsheet at the end of games. Huh. They do provide data at the end of the games. Yes. But it's not like, here's how everyone did. The data that they give you is like, how much time did you spend on the objective? How many kills did you get? How much healing did you do? How much healing did you heal other people? It's all data relevant to you. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how other people did. Right. It also shows relative to your career and relative to like your previous best. Because it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you're getting better, if that's why you're playing. That's right. Yeah. The game really drives that point home, too, because there are similar games like Team Fortress 2, and you can play whatever class you want. And you can be really good and kill as many people as you want, and that's a, a huge part of the game. You can be a spy and sneak around and stab people and kill people, and great. If you're really good, it doesn't really matter what the team composition is. But in Overwatch, that's not the case. When you are at the team screen and people select their characters, select their heroes... The game will tell you, it's like, hey, you're missing out on these roles. Oh, really? Yeah. Sometimes it's like a flashing yellow bar, but sometimes it's like red. It's like, whoa, this is a really bad idea. (laughs) Is it just making sure you have a good division of the four categories or is it more detailed than that? Uh, So so if you have a a team makeup, it might say your team has no healers. It's like, okay, Okay. that's fair. It might say your team has no defense people. Okay. You might have some defense people, but it's like, hey, your team has few defense people, so you should think about that. But to give you more detail, sometimes it'll say your team has really low damage. Like you You picked all the right roles, but like not dealing enough damage. So like you should pick a different team or somebody should switch the character or whatever. Hmm. And that's really cool because often when I'm when I've played TF2, it's like, what role should I pick? Well, I'm like, well, I know nobody's healing anybody so i'll play the medic yeah yeah but like that's because i know that other people would be like derp de derp de derp i'm gonna get my kill death ratio and be a demo man and go <laughs> yes. doof, doof, doof. <laughs> but in overwatch it's like look you're not stupid this is a team game just pick one of these we don't care which one you pick pick whichever one you want but like it's a team game so pick something that makes sense your team has no healers do you want to do that that's fine we'll give you a little yellow box that's like that's not a good idea Mm-hmm. it'll give you a red box it's like this is a terrible idea <laughs> you can still do it if you've got like a pro team like go for it man but it's crazy man i like that yeah it's helpful having just started playing the game i could probably talk about a number of things that like make the game <laughs> easier to play for somebody who hasn't played before because it tries to make all the stuff apparent from like the ui on the screen and and whatnot mm. but like that's one small thing that i think is really necessary in a team game is like okay so what do i do what should i be i don't even know if somebody's gonna main cool they'll do that but then it'll suggest what you should be Hmm. also probably emphasizes players being able to play all the different roles as well yeah yeah so when you'd mentioned earlier about how important the teamwork is and why maining is such a bad idea it's very evident as you play the game because you might start as one defense character let's say and as you play the game you learn that in this match that you're in that defense character doesn't work because maybe you're playing on a map with a lot more open spaces and you're playing a character that's really good at like blocking people off there's a character may who can literally make walls of ice and it's amazing because you can just be like boop and then they can't get by (laughs) 
But like maybe that doesn't work when they can just walk around the ice wall. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that doesn't yep. work when you're on the attack so well. Mm-hmm. So maybe you pick a different defense character, so you switch it up. Maybe other players have switched around. Maybe you're playing one healer and it doesn't work so well. Maybe you want to be like the sniper healer or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You can't necessarily just get good at one character because you need to at least know four different characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not going to thrive in the game if you only know how to play with one. Yeah. What about league play? I don't know. I haven't played any of that. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I guess none of us can really speak about it, but I would speculate that in league play, you've probably got a set team of players who probably play like maybe two three max different characters like in a league i would imagine that rules about maining kind of go out the window oh yeah so for reference when we recorded this overwatch league is like a very new thing i think it's only started up in like the last month or two oh wow Mm. when we were joking about it today it's because it happened very recently (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah i imagine the leagues people are probably more likely to main certain characters but that being said diva is a character that i already mentioned she's the korean girl who rides around in a mech yeah she has a mech and the mech has like really good short range attacks yeah Mm -hmm. right she is a tank character and she's got really good short range attacks so like if you're really good at that character and the other team has like it's not a rock paper scissors but there's probably a lot of long range characters if their team is really good then maybe you need a different tank there's another character that is a robot called bastion uh no wait that's a defense anyway but like they can turn into a turret and like shoot like crazy so mm-hmm. you might be really good at diva but like that doesn't mean that you'd want to main them all the time because there could be other characters that just work better you might not be as effective mm-hmm. and there's probably characters that you go to in certain circumstances but you probably don't specialize in like one exclusively yeah mm-hmm. just tie right back into the whole teamwork thing because you'd want to adapt to what everybody else in the team is doing yeah, and I mean, I don't know that we'll talk about the competitive aspect just because it's so unfamiliar, and it's, it's honestly its own beast, kind yeah. of. Yeah, well, it's it's its own beast, but I mean, it's not, it doesn't seem like the competitive aspect of the game is as important to the fandom as it is for, say, StarCraft. Because I mean, at this point, like, fans of StarCraft are basically the people who either watch StarCraft being played competitively or play it competitively. It's an old game. That's where the action is. Yeah, yeah. In those presses per second. <laughs> Actions per minute. Actions per minute, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should also clarify, there's Overwatch League, which is like the MLB kind of, of <laughs> Overwatch play. And then there's regular competitive play. Right. Which is right. also different from casual play, which is unranked. Okay. Which is just for funsies. Yeah. Based on nothing but very scant knowledge of it, but crossing over what I know about Splatoon into this, which is another kind of team shooter, but without any sort of classes or anything like that, the competitive play, like what would drive that, I imagine, would just be the the ranking. So not necessarily something inherent to the game itself. Probably not beyond the general, like, learn some mechanics and skills and continue to improve them. Like playing a, yeah, being really good at a board game or a sport. Yeah. Yeah. Not to de-emphasize any of those things, but it's like when you talk about sports fandom in general, it's like at some level, it's like it's about people knowing the rules of a game and getting better at that game. Yeah. Yeah. We switch tracks for a minute. Yeah, go for it. Sure. 
another thing that might uh, might attract people to the game. One thing that was pointed out was before Overwatch. I mean, I'm sure there are some exceptions, but Splatoon, by and large, by and large, yeah, Splatoon. But by and large, uh, if you want an FPS <laughs> these days, there's either military or dystopia. <laughs> Pick one. Yep, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, and Overwatch is kind of neither. It's like, mm. you know, the futuristic. But it's not dystopian, right? Like, it's uh, just people getting on with their lives. Yeah. The plot reminding me a little bit of Watchmen. Okay. Build super smart robots. Robots. Build evil robots that kill people. People mm. make an organization to take down the robots and succeed. But then there's the shift, a factioning. Oh, that's the part, right? The part is the government, like, bans heroes, basically. Oh, I mean, that's okay. the same as Watchmen. Yeah. And the bulk of the story takes place after that's happened. Mm-hmm. Also, yes. Yeah. It's like former glory. Getting out. But it's like, it's a world that was saved. And then like some years on, troubles of Bruin. Yeah. But the troubles are like small scale. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you know, dictatorship or, or Big Brother or anything like that. Yeah, or like the city is burned down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's very different visually, right? Like. Mm-hmm. when you're playing the game you're playing in like these beautiful areas like one is uh one of the maps is ilios which is mm-hmm. so- supposed to be somewhere in greece i do not know if ilios uh, is a real place the place with the the white buildings that have the blue domes on top yeah and it has like a lighthouse yeah yeah is that a real place yeah oh it's beautiful i would like to go <laughs> visit maybe. but like there are many stones and columns <laughs> it's most triumphant <laughs> be excellent to each other (laughs) (laughs) but like it it looks really nice it's very clearly not a war zone Mm -hmm. it it is the setting for a battle but it's Mm -hmm. like you're you're just in some place and more than that it's not like it's a military setting like yeah you're wandering around as some robot or some human with like a big ass gun Mm -hmm. or something like that or a small gun or other implements but like everybody's wearing all these bright colors yeah like mccree is wearing a cowboy like he's got the poncho (laughs) he's got like a big belt buckle he's got the hat (laughs) he's got like the cigar sticking out of his mouth like soldier 76 is like a generic looking soldier guy with like a visor but he's got like a it's like a jumpsuit and it's like bright blue it's not like a military (laughs) person everybody's like colorful yeah everyone's peacocking yes you can get different skins that yeah. change things up, but even then, a lot of color. And even like the way, for example, I mean, a lot of people's powers work, but like Tracer, when she like moves about, there's like a little, like a bright blue, like, it's very like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, how many of the shorts you watched. I found a video, which was just an hour of shorts. I did not watch through all of it. Wow. But I did watch through one, which was Junkrat and Roadhog. And that was like very much like a comedy thing. Like if you watch the one for May, mm-hmm. who's like this ice person, mm-hmm. fairly serious story. Antarctica put them in suspended animation. Come back. Overwatch has been taken down or whatever. Like serious story. But then you watch this one with Junkrat and Roadhog and it's like slapstick. It's like, all right, they won't let us into this place. 
So we'll trick them. We'll steal the stuff and we'll put a bomb on it. It's like, oh, that's stupid. It's like, all right, we'll disguise ourselves. Then we'll put a bomb on it and we'll do it. It's like, oh, that's a stupid plan too. It's like, okay, we'll disguise ourselves and we'll bring the bomb in and then we'll run away. It's like, okay, but you need to say, but like, it's, it's slapstick. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's not like serious military thing. No, they're your classic big guy, little guy pairing, you know, going back to Laurel and Hardy. (laughs) It's like pure comedy. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I remember the one that I saw was like a news bulletin about them. (laughs) That's like, they've been robbing several banks and setting off bombs as they leave. If you see them, let us know. And even that was like, kind of like a, like a fun sort of feel as opposed to like the world is dead. (laughs) Kind of thing. Like yeah. it's, uh... we found a new shade of brown today. Uh. <laughs> well, so, so like the best example of something similar to that, but it's still military, is like Team Fortress Two. It's a very cartoony style game, which has gotten more mm. cartoony over time, mm. which is fine. But like everybody is in a uniform, like it's a simple uniform. It's like a red shirt, yep, or like a doctor's vest, or yep. like whatever. But it's still a military uniform and it, they're still very clearly militaristic even if it's in a completely ridiculous world but overwatch is like these people are supposed to be fighting to prevent something from happening but it's presented in a way that it's not like like you mentioned a horrible military or dystopia or whatever mm-hmm. yeah it's more reflective of like superheroes like based on all the bright outfits but yeah. everyone's just shooting each other <laughs> They're using the real superpower guns. I wonder if you can make a game like that. I don't know why both DC and Marvel think that it's interesting when a supervillain is like his thing is shooting a gun. <laughs> Wait, like Deadshot? <laughs> Deadshot? Uh, Deathstroke has some other stuff. But yeah, like you were saying, it's a very different kind of a, a world. It's not dystopian or militaristic, and that already sets it apart from many other FPSs of that timing now. Yeah. Like the color palette alone, <laughs> right? Like it's just, it's not just like navy and gray. Yeah. Were there other things that we missed when we were trying to figure out what is it about Overwatch that makes people really wrapped up in it? We talked about how representation and diversity and inclusion are obviously like a huge part of its DNA and mm-hmm. something that people are very interested in. We talked about like how the world is depicted and how that changes things we talked about it being a class-based shooter but like being incredibly teamwork focused yes and also very asymmetric play yes yeah not rock paper scissors yes the simplest asymmetric play that's right <laughs> symmetric play oh sorry yes symmetric yes but yes that covers most of it i mean it's also like alive right they're still releasing more yeah. they started out with 21 heroes something like that now there's 26 wow. yeah well doom fist i think just came out mm. i remember hearing about the terry crew stuff before i started playing <laughs> <laughs> yeah who knows how long it'll continue being updated because team fortress 2 received an update this last year and it's been running since 2007 okay i don't know if Actually, Blizzard would do that. They did that with StarCraft and Warcraft and all the other things. So what am I talking about? They're a great company. (laughs) Yeah, that in itself kind of might not necessarily 
keep people wrapped up in Overwatch, but I think that's why there was such a big attraction to the game when it first came out, because people who were fans of Team Fortress 2 and wanted something new didn't really get anything else until Overwatch came out. Yeah, I'd just kind of stick to TF2. Yeah, I mean, out of all the video game genres in the world, it's one of the most underserviced. <laughs> I don't know if you're being serious or not. No, not not the whole like FPS thing, but like the oh, team okay. shooters. Okay, not a yeah. whole lot of uh, class based team, team yeah. shooters. Okay, yes, there. sorry, I I took it on face value and <laughs> be like, you're like no, there are a lot of FPSs. Yeah. Maybe in the '90s with like Doom on SNES, but I mean, like aside from that, <sighs> stop making them, right? Yeah, even games like Destiny veered off in a slightly different direction, moving more into the like MMORPG. Yeah. kind of very well mmo fps i guess but you get a very different world when you do that all right should we yeah let's do it okay since we're speaking the same language <laughs> i think it's time that we uh, move on to the verdict where we get to uh, wrap up our thoughts about uh, overwatch fandom who would like to go first i can go first hey Go for it. All right. Now, as I said, I watched a bunch of the videos beforehand. Mm-hmm. I think the one I watched was actually not updated. I think it was from 2016. Oh, okay. And I think there's, there's you know, more of those since, mm-hmm. obviously. But, uh, yeah, I was getting kind of into it. A lot of the characters seem like stereotypes. But <laughs> that's why they're producing more stories. <laughs> there's a lot of characters to get to. But, like, I really enjoy the asymmetric aspect. Like, even though, like, there are some snipers, there are some healers, there are some tanks, whatever, none of them play exactly the same. They all have their little foibles that you need to, to come to grips with to be really good with them. And that part appeals to me a lot. I like some of the specific backstories of some of the characters. I think they managed to, to have some, like, you know, when you get to 20 plus characters, they can't all have a dead father or dead mother. Right? They have to all have to have different sort of origins, and it sounds mm-hmm. like they've done a pretty good job with that. The videos themselves are very pretty. Like the character design is really cool, and the effects mm-hmm. are really cool, and, and all motion and everything like that. However, the actual gameplay is just whipping around, disorienting me, and going. It's hard to get away from because it's an FPS. Yeah. But I watched a lot of gameplay of this thing, and it's so disorient. I'm not interested <laughs> in actually playing it at all. Oh, man. So I'm out. I'm gonna say, but like they talk about, like maybe, maybe I'd, I'd read the comics. You know, I watch more of the cutscenes. They talk about Tracer having like her molecules have become desynchronized because of her using her time ability. I would play the hell out of a solo game where Tracer becomes unstuck in time like Billy Pilgrim in Slaughterhouse-Five. Oh, man. I think that would be hell of a game. I don't know how often they'd spin off their own characters from their games, but <laughs> in Final Fantasy style, you know, I'd play the hell out of that. Maybe a more narrative-driven game, but no, I'm probably not going to pick it up Overwatch anytime soon. Overwatch. Tracer Returns. <laughs> yes coming to you from square enix because they outsourced the game for some reason <laughs> tracer gets oversexed even more because <laughs> square enix oh if we could avoid that that'd be yeah so let's just but, keep it with uh, blizzard it doesn't yeah, matter because it's probably not fingers good now it's good. yeah well, that's where the fanfic comes in i suppose oh yeah probably <laughs> 
which as you had heard earlier in the episode probably would be less of that anyway true true i will go next i am unexpectedly in i would say unexpectedly mostly because i started playing it and i really enjoyed it and i keep playing it so (laughs) i think that's a strong factor like on the face of it it is a game like any other game it is something that you like learn the mechanics of and you know if you're good at it or keep putting time into it you will get good at it and in that sense i don't know why i continue to play it because i probably will not get that good at it and because nothing in life has meaning and everything's spiraling out of control that's right yep but i do find the characters really interesting the asymmetric play is probably the biggest part that keeps me interested in the game because every match i play i'm like oh how does this character work it's like uh how do they match up against this character how does this ability work this sounds stupid and then you're like oh this is actually really awesome (laughs) and maybe i'll stop playing when i figure that out but i played tf2 for like i think it's 340 hours over some number of years so i'm probably trapped help me (laughs) help me now he's not on the podcast next week (laughs) I think I can keep it under control. <laughs> but maybe not for the next two weeks. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in. I really enjoy the world, the characters, the gameplay. The asymmetric part is also cool. I like it. It's good. Cool. If you haven't played it, you should try it. If you don't like FPSs, don't try it. <laughs> no, I'm just, like, when she was mentioning it, I was like, if they had a camera that kind of panned over the match, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. But if you're just mm-hmm. watching. If it was third person view, I'd probably play it. Yeah, I thought that that was an option, but, but uh... I guess not. I don't think yeah. so. Huh. Yeah. That gives you an advantage because you can see behind you. Yeah, that's mm. true. Mm. All right, Z. Yep. All right, I'm up. I am up. Well, I, I was going to say, G in particular, you're not alone. Apparently, there's a notable, but on fan lore anyway, unrecorded number of fans of Overwatch who have never played the game, but just like the lore. Maybe I'll join their ranks. Yeah. Apparently there's like enough story out there for people to get into it without ever having picked up the actual game. So sit patiently and wait for the Overwatch movie. <laughs> That's a thing, isn't it? Am I imagining that? I have no idea. It's gotta be. I'm gonna be done by Illumination Studio after they're finished with the Mario movie. Anyway. Oh brother. After sixty six <laughs> minutes of Overwatch shorts, Blizzard considers an actual movie. <laughs> yep, there it is. Sense. Yeah. I'll just wait for that. Yeah. But anyway, I gotta say, like, it is, it's really neat that there is so much story to get people involved in it. And it's really cool how, like, the teamwork aspect is really played up. But even reading up about things, I didn't watch any of the shorts. Maybe my opinion would be different if I had. But I've gotta say, it's really cool that it's out there. It's really neat that, you know, there's all sorts of canon, there's all sorts of fan works. But. Yeah, I'm out. Wob wob. <laughs> well, the cheese stands alone. Short and sweet. I did want to add in, though. This is kind of like adding a little bit to my conclusion from before, maybe. But uh, I think one of the big draws for Overwatch is that it's one of those games where while you're playing it, you're probably thinking about it. But then there's so much extra stuff about it. There's so much, you know, maybe Easter eggs in the various settings where you're playing or the comics or the shorts or whatever so that you could always be thinking about overwatch but but more than that it seems to me like it's a game that's kind of 
built for fan service, especially because Blizzard actually listens to its fans to some degree. Not fan service in like the anime sense of penny shots or or beefcake shots or whatever, but fan service in that like let's say a pairing becomes super popular, not just in fan fiction but like in fan art, fan vids, everything. This pairing is everywhere. And then Blizzard sees that and makes it canon. That seems like it could potentially happen with Overwatch. I don't know how far Blizzard's willing to go with taking on fan ideas and whatnot, but from what I've seen and from what we've talked about, it sounds like that's a possibility. And I think that's a big part, or maybe not a big part, but definitely a part of the Overwatch fandom. If you feel like you have influence on something, it engages you a little bit more. Yeah, they're not just reading out the stone tablets. Yeah. A fan on that, right? It's like a level playing field almost. Yeah. So I will salute it, but didn't draw me in. Alright. That's fine, because I'll take the spotlight off of Z and we'll shine it on something else. Shine it on the cheese, the cheese will melt. Only if it's a camembert brie. <laughs> no, that would bake. It'd be delicious. Well yeah, but the inside would get all melty. Isn't that what it's supposed to do? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it wouldn't ruin it or anything like any melted cheese isn't ruined cheese, but this isn't the cheese fans episode, so uh Do we we haven't done that yet either, have we? <laughs> it would just be about uh... France. It would just be about France. And and Europe in general, I guess. Cheese maybe a bit of Mongolia, I don't know. Fans. Alright, cool. <laughs> well, we're working on the next season already, folks. Oh boy. But spotlight. Spotlight is part of the show where we try to highlight a fanish cause, uh, usually something related to this week's episode, but oftentimes anything that kind of makes sense. This week, I could not for the life of me find an Overwatch-related charity, not because there's no such thing as an Overwatch charity. There are many Overwatch tournaments and whatnot that had their proceeds go to charity, but I couldn't find any one group. And if this were a different part of the episode, I might say that there's a very big difference in fandoms that are controlled by the publisher, like Blizzard, versus fandoms that are controlled by the fans, which is many other fandoms, but not this one. But that's an entirely different discussion. But as a result of doing the research, I managed to come across something that I think is right up our alley and very perfect for this week's episode. In an article that I read called Can Overwatch Bridge the Gender Gap in Esports, I came across an organization called Any Key Organization. Any Key Organization is a group dedicated to supporting diversity in esports. Uh, its mission from the website is to help create fair and inclusive spaces in esports for marginalized members of the gaming community. They pledge to provide competitive gamers with resources, support, and opportunities. They highlight positive role models, create knowledge, and tools to help create more diverse communities and supportive networks. The organization does research, has its own pledge that you can take, and has an affiliation program so that you too can help make esports better for everyone. If you want to check that out, you can go to www.anykey.org. And that is not the any key on your keyboard, A-N-Y-K-E-Y.org. <laughs> and take some notes from this episode, uh, from this week's episode rather. The world still needs heroes. Are you with us? Oh, man. Tears. <laughs> I was talking about the, the <laughs> spotlight jerk face. I know, I'm good. Apparently, I am the Hanzo of the team that is our Overwatch podcast. <laughs> Tonight, the lone wolf rides alone. 
but uh, if you happen to be writing alone, maybe for an hour or an hour and a half, a great thing to do would be go over to iTunes and hit subscribe. Uh, Fanthropological. Uh, so you can listen to a new episode covering a different fandom every week on Friday. And uh, please, while you're there, leave a rating and review. You can also find us at the Nixcast on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And please get back at us. If you listen to this episode, let us know what you think. Who do you hate? Who do you love? Is your OTP? Is, is there an opposite of an OTP? There is an <laughs> OTP. <laughs> Would you believe that I probably have seen no TP more reading manga than I have on the internet? Interesting. Apparently I read a lot of things that involve boys love, but are not boys love. Hmm. It's weird. Hmm. Anyway. I read a lot of meta stuff. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah. Are you reading about boys love? Let us know. <laughs> and we'll do an episode on it. Uh... If you have any episode suggestions that you'd like to hear us do, <laughs> be on this podcast and mention it to T. <laughs> or uh, nick at thenextcast.com. Send them right over and we'll, uh, we'll take a look and we'll probably do an episode based on the topic you like. Mm-hmm. As well as head on over to patreon.com slash thenextcast. If you do not know what Patreon is, Patreon is a site where you can become a patron of the artists that you know and love. Uh, you can support their work and help them to create more work. If you go to patreon.com slash the next cast, uh, we usually post all of our public releases there. If you become a patron, you also get access to any of our behind the scenes stuff. Usually that means knowing about what we're going to do in advance, like a month in advance. So if you wanted to know what we're up to or want to help us to make more of this podcast, more of our convention coverage, more of Phanthropological Arcade, any of that kind of stuff, you can become a patron of the next cast and help us out. We'd really appreciate it. Even as little as a dollar a month is hugely helpful. So thank you. Check that out. Patreon.com slash the next cast. Yes, please do check that out. And also every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time, be sure to check out twitch.tv slash the next cast to see us recording this podcast live. That's right. You can see us recording this podcast live in front of your very eyes on twitch.tv slash the cast every Monday night at 8 p.m. And why would you want to do that? Why would you want to see us record this podcast live? Just watch three bozos, you know, sitting in front of their computers, talking into microphones. Well, I don't know. Maybe you enjoy that. But on top of that, you could also join in the chat here on twitch.tv slash the cast and in that chat, you know, talk to us while we're recording, give us some ideas for topics to talk about right now, maybe ask us some uh, questions that we maybe didn't think about, maybe ask us some questions about future episodes. Maybe you could participate in uh, a fan and host favorite part of the show, the famous last words. Famous last words. That's right. It's time for Famous Last Words, where we're going to say something stupid, or maybe something interesting, about next week's fandom, before we do the research, and next week, we are going to be talking about fans of Rick and Morty. Hey. I'm going to attend to the chat, so if G or Z has something to go, they should start. All right, my famous last words about Rick and Morty are as follows. As a comedy sci-fi show, I'm wondering if the sci-fi overcomes the comedy and makes Rick and Morty more international than it otherwise would be. Put another way, as a comedy sci-fi show, does the sci-fi help 
Rick and Morty transcend English so that it's enjoyed by people all over the world? I have a very straight answer to that, but you will hear it next week mm. on the podcast. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So I'm interested in what makes people think that they're watching a smart, quote-unquote, <laughs> show and how that makes them feel about watching it. Mm. Okay. I feel like if people identify a show as being very clever, they will do more to attach their identity to it. It's not that smart a show. <laughs> I'm just saying right now. But, Me, but, but, an intellectual. But, but, but quantum <laughs> yes. physics. Multiverse. Yes, yeah, you I'm can sure. reference a lot of things that are taught in universities. <laughs> that does not make it a smart show. Listen, Marty, the thing about, the thing about, the thing about this episode is it doesn't make any sense. I really did like the episode where they split the universe like a million times. That was good. They do lots of good like writing techniques and, and, and TV show tropes and stuff and breaking those up, but... It's on Adult Swim, right? I think so. Okay. Well, I'm not going to ask that then. All right. In the interest of not running at the clock, what am I going to do for my famous last words? My famous last words are going to be... And this is mostly a history question, but that's also part of the show. And that is, why did someone greenlight a show based on a short? <laughs> you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, if you haven't seen the original Doc and Maddie thing on YouTube, you should check it out. But not if you're a fan of art. But what, I want to know why somebody thought it was a good idea to create a show based off of that short. Hmm. I want to know more about the history of Doc and Marty and Rick and Morty. X-23, you said the idea that Rick and Morty is a high IQ show that started as me on Reddit. The fan base didn't create that. People I have met in real life would contradict your statement. Oh, man. Just saying. Getting heated up in here. <laughs> I feel like people said similar things about Futurama as well. It had some smart <laughs> bits, and it definitely had some smart people working on the show. Yeah. I mean, next week we will dig a very hard divide between smart and knowledgeable. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe we'll save that for next episode. Yeah, a little preview. Yeah, lots of little juicy nuggets. <laughs> All right. I feel like we've got this fire started, but we have to feed it some more fuel next week. Well, we got the fire, but that doesn't mean anything. Can we quickly create demand for an archaic fast food product real quick? <laughs> Is that a nope. thing we can do? Nope. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>